Hi, I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And standing by to join me is columnist, author, and writer, Patricia Brunner. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. I, I, it's nice to be here. I love chatting with you. I, even on my desk right now, I have one of your um, articles under Senior Moments. Letter of the Law Arrives Making Imagination Take Fright. I, I just love, you know, your column and it really resonates with me. How long have you been writing this column? Um, 12, just a little over 12 years now. And it started um, just with, with once a week in the Pasadena Star News, but now it's, uh, it's in all the newspapers of the Southern California News Group. But, it, but you know, it's grown as I've grown because I, and as I've gotten so much reader feedback. So I never, people will say, what do you, how do you know what to write about? And I said, I am never without something to write about because, yes. because we all have the moments of our lives. You know, it doesn't even matter that it's senior. I, I have a lot of people will write to me and say, don't tell anybody, but I read your column all the time and I'm only 35. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of a joke. But but the column you're talking about was was really funny. That was, um, I got, I, I've never had any really bad things happen from anything I've written. Uh, my readers have usually been very kind. So when I got a letter in the mail from a lawyer, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, what, what did I do? <laughs> yes. And... And, and um, it turned out he was a reader and he just wanted to tell me his story and it had nothing to do with anything that I had done. Um, but when I, after I wrote the column, I heard from so many lawyers and it was, it was a lot of fun actually. Oh, how that, funny. Um, people just resonate, you know, they just seem to, to catch on to what I say and, and feed it back to me. And that, that was one of the saving graces for me during the pandemic when I was doing a lot of writing and I was getting feedback from my readers saying, oh, thank you for making me laugh today or thank you for letting me cry with you because yes, it's such a tough time. Um, and yes. there was so much going on, I think for all of us in our heads that um, even little funny things about conversations I would have with myself because I had to quarantine here by myself and, um, mm. On top of that, there were two other issues. One is that <clears throat> for a good part of maybe almost two months, I was on uh, quarantine alert because we uh, we had the fires going on and right. bobcat fire. So so my house was me in suitcases by the door and oh. my, my kitty carrier box. <laughs> oh, what a way to live. <laughs> yeah, but, but it was also funny, you know, and that's what I would kind of look for. Well, that's that, good. Um, I, I, I wanted to, I, I couldn't sleep one night and I thought, oh, I'm going to go get my favorite pillow. And then I realized, well, it's packed in the car under Aww. six boxes. So that's not happening. Um, so it was all about making do, you know, and, and yeah. even more than making do, not, not just finding an answer, but finding one that, that really was okay. You yes. know, that, that this, this part of life is okay. And, and being um, optimistic about what could happen. Well, you're very adaptable and being adaptable and resilient, I believe, are skills you need throughout your lifetime. Um, no, I, I would agree with that. And, and that, that magic thing that makes me so happy to be a writer where every, everything is a possibility, you know, every yeah. little thing that happens. It sure um, is. 
Yeah. So, yes. So I enjoy that. Yeah. The additional thing during my, um, during the pandemic was I was really still grieving my husband who had died, you know, not long before that. I remember. So one of the things that, um, that kind of got me going was uh, I started writing a, a letter to him, which, uh, which turned into an essay. And the letter was just describing what life was, you know, con- all of a sudden he wasn't there. And, but I, but I was glad he wasn't there because it would be so awful for him, you know, to, sure. to go through it because, yes. because he was ill. Yes. Um, and so that, you know, that made me, uh, very aware of the fact that really life goes on. I mean, it was just like a big head. <laughs> life yeah. goes on and, you know, it's two years later and I'm still here and, um, and very, you know, very lucky because I didn't go through, I didn't lose my business or anything, I, you know, because I work from home and it, in some ways life wasn't that much different for me, except for the fact, um, of course, that I couldn't leave, I wasn't leaving the house until we got the vaccine. Right. Well, what I hear is gratitude. Ah, yes, you're right. It's gratitude. I mean, for for you to, you know, realize the things in life that you have, you know, I often say the same thing about my dad. I I think, oh, I'm so glad he's not around to, you know, experience this pandemic. I mean, he had cancer and I thought, oh, this has been the worst. I mean, not to be able to see him or, you know. Yes. Yeah. So I you have to put things in perspective, I think. Um, no, I think that's very true. And I was, <laughs> I remember one of the lines that I wrote was, this is how life is now. I'm grateful for, uh, grateful for dead husbands and dead mothers. My, my mother had died the year before. And oh. I, mean, I, I, I saw that, I saw that no matter how bad it was, I was glad somebody I loved that much wasn't going through it. And yes, I was. Um, and gratitude, Oh, I wanted to speak to that. When my husband was very ill and we knew he, you know, he really only had hopefully a couple of more months, okay. we started doing something uh, every night. I suggested to him, I said, I want us to talk about at the end of every day what we're grateful for. You know, we have oh. to find something in even the worst day. Sure. Um, and so we said that was our ritual before we went to sleep. And it, it, was, a, it was actually a very nice a nice way to go to sleep and sometimes it was it was something very simple but very meaningful Mill, I remember one night he said to me when we drove it was a very hot day and he said when we drove by a bus stop today I saw a man standing there in the hot sun and he said and it reminded me of a time when I didn't have a car when I was just starting out looking for a job and I didn't have much money and he said and I was so grateful now that you know I have a car I have a house to live in and that mm-hmm. those kinds of things really brought it home that there always is something there that makes it uh, something to be grateful for. Yes, yes. Could you, you talked about this on, on my show the first time you were on. Could you talk about what's above your bed? I, I'm sorry, can I talk about what? What's above your bed? Oh, above my bed. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't show that. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a poem. It was actually the first poem I ever had published um, in a in a small magazine in England, and it's 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 just it's love. It's kind of written out, and it's laugh laugh often over little things. Very soon, everything dies. And um, I always loved that poem. I had kind of a little plaque of it on my wall. And so one year for an anniversary present, 
um, George painted it on the wall behind our bed. We, we had talked about the fact after the earthquakes, we didn't want anything hanging over the bed anymore. So it's painted and, it, and it's on the wall. And, you know, it, it became such a reminder to me in so many different ways. When the, when the rabbi was at our house, when George was dying and he was in the room, I guess he was looking at it. And I was so surprised that during the funeral, he brought it up. You know, he, he said, this was a nice, this was a nice way to go with this thought in mind. Um, oh. So it, it kind of, it, 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 you know, it could be morbid, but it's not really. I mean, we all know everything is going to die. And as we get older and, and yeah. things that people we love do, it takes on a different perspective um, to the point that we know that we're going to die. And um, so it's, a, it's an enlightening of life. Yeah. It, you know, you, you have great perspective to just keep going, it sounds like. Yes. Um, you know, it, it really is that there's something around every corner. And it's not to say that I don't get, you know, depressed that it wasn't sad for me when, um, you know, when I was going through the grief and, and, and the, the pandemic and the fires and everything else. But um, it just made me very appreciative of the little things, um, of all of, you know, that it made me start looking for them. You know, if it was a day, if it wasn't a good day, I thought, okay, there's got to be something around here. Um, And that was, that was the seed of of a lot of my writing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, um, it was, it was a really good time. And I'm happy that I had a chance to write. And I, and I think sometimes what's it going to be like two generations now when people are sitting in school and they look back and say, how was the pandemic? Um, And, and I was able to kind of record things Uh, and mine were very, everyday things, you know, very personal things. I wasn't speaking to the larger issues of unemployment and, and all of the difficulties around me, but just of, of getting through every day and sometimes just every hour. Yeah. Did you feel uh, pressure? Because I know some people, we had talked about this, feel the pressure of, oh, I have to be writing. People think because I'm creative and I'm a writer, I must be cranking out so much great work when in fact they're just stuck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I, I, I felt it a little bit, but I, I think in my case, it was overridden by my desire to write. If I was, I was so grateful every time I sat down to That's know great. that this is something I can do. And at least once a week for my column, it's going to get published and I can share it with other people. So that, that really kept me going. Um, I love yeah, that. That a lot. And you know, and it made me want to branch out more. I, I just, um, last month had a, one of my pieces published in Chicken Soup, uh, Chicken Soup for the, uh, it was for ca- caring for your elderly parents. And it was about something that happened with my mother when I had to move her to um, an assisted living setting. Okay. Uh, and it was just so nice to know that, that the, the story was really about what I did wrong and what I learned from that. And I was ah. able to go back and correct it. It was nice to just throw that out there and, and get the feedback of people saying, oh, I'm not quite there yet with my mother, but I'm going to watch out for that. You know? yes. Thank you. Yes. Um, and again, it came down to the little things. I, I was helping her move in um, to this you know, one small room. And as we were putting her clothes away, she wanted to tell me, the story of, of each of the things that she had, you know, she had, she had, she was, a, you know, well, my mom was 101 when she died. So she was of the era. 101. Where, yeah. She made it. <laughs> um, 
so she she liked to have nice things and she was a classic I'll, I'll always shop, you know, on sale and didn't have a lot of money. So the things that she gathered were really important to her. And I remember she held up one of their slips and they were kind of all roughly, I, I still have it in my drawer. And she wanted to tell me about how she bought it and how, what oh. wedding she wore it to. And I was just wanting to get her moved in by the end of the day. So yes. I kept pushing her along and pushing her along. And when I got home that night, I just had this image of her sitting there and the look on her face. And I thought, what am I doing? You know, I, I'm missing the really important thing. Yes. So I, I went yeah. back early the next morning and I said, you know, mom, I, I want to hear the stories. Let's, you know, let's do this again. We took things out of the drawer and we started oh, over. Good. And in one of the drawers, I opened one of the drawers that she had started putting things away. In, and there was a bunch of, it looked like newspapers in there. And I thought, Oh, I'm just going to throw all these away. And then I took a closer look and they were my columns that mom had been saving. And they, oh, <laughs> they were in, uh, in date order. And I thought, boy, was that a message to me about sure, how proud. Yeah. Well, and yes, and take your time and don't, you know, I could never have heard her stories, which which was were wonderful and which I've, I've written about many times. Yes. Um, and although I don't wear many of the things, I have them in my drawer. Whenever I want inspiration, you know, I'll, I'll pick up a, a, a long black slip with ruffles on the side and think about what what life was like when she was wearing that. I love that. You know, it's, um, it's really a lesson in to pay attention, be present. That is so true. And, and be, I think the less that, the more people become compromised <clears throat> in their old age, the more important it is for those of us around them to pay attention because it doesn't mean that they're not thinking and feeling and, and, and wanting to interact and contribute. Sure. It, it just might be you know a little slower or it might be under more difficult circumstances. But um, when I look back now, I, I'm just happy that I was present for my mother and that I listened to her story. She, she loved that I wrote about her, although sometimes she would say, don't make me sound silly today. And I'd say, <laughs> oh, mom, I don't have to make you, you know, I'm just writing down what she said. And, and it was kind of similar with my husband too, um, near the end, because I was writing about him and he used to always read my columns and he would, um, before I sent them to the editor, you know, he would make a comment on them. And it was such a nice ritual. And I was really missing that. So when he was really sick, and he was in the hospice bed in the next room, and I would be writing, um, I would think about that. And I would think, uh, what's it going to be like, you know, when he goes to not have that input. But I, I because we'd had it so much, it, it stayed with me, you know, I can sometimes I will write something and I'll think, okay, well, what would he say about this? And it kind of helps me edit it as we go sure. along. Sure. You know, one of the things I mentioned to you was I've been in this uh, fellowship, the Age Bloom Academy, and um, it's so interesting when I think about the younger generation, you know, teens and college students who have been very uh, depressed and anxious, but so have older adults. And I'm so fascinated when you bring the two generations together, what can happen through conversation. And some people don't have grandparents. No, that's true. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, I think that we just have so much to learn from each other um, as the generations go. You know, yes. when, I, when I was teaching my poetry classes, just really for, for fun at uh, nursing homes, 
I just learned so much about their era, you know, the kinds of things that they would want to write about. And, and we, um, we kind of became like a family. You know, I would bring my young daughter to class sometimes and they'd write about her. We, oh, even, okay. we even snuck our kitten in, even though it wasn't allowed one time so that they could write about that. Um, <laughs> and it was one wonderful interaction. And I felt like it was a good role model for my daughter too, to see from a very young age. Um, how that interaction happens and how they're just, you know, they're just people and they're just older. Was there uh, someone when you were younger that inspired you to become a writer? Um, I think I, my, for a while, my grandmother lived with us. I grew up in Virginia, but mm -hmm. my family was from New York and my, my little Jewish grandmother fell and broke her hip. So she came, oh. they had to send her down to stay with us for a while. And she was very, very religious and, you know, much more so than anybody in my family was. Um, and I first began to see what it's like to really have to believe in something and to give up something for that belief, because she, um, in New York, she lived maybe five minutes away from the synagogue, but Okay. We were out in the suburbs. So she would never go the whole time she lived with us. She never got a chance to go to services in the temple because she wouldn't, uh, she wouldn't drive. I mean, she wouldn't ride the car on Shabbat. Yes. Um, and I was really touched by that, you know, what kind of belief that took. And so I started taking notes and, and writing about that. And then she fell again and broke her oh. other hip while she was living with us. Oh. And it was, it was on a Friday night. Um, oh, no. And my mother said, oh, I'm going to call an ambulance. And she and, and grandma, who my grandma Sarah really didn't. She was a Russian Jewish immigrant. She didn't really speak English. We managed to communicate by, uh, I don't know, a little bit. I, I She taught me a little bit of Yiddish. The Yiddish? Okay, so she's speaking Yiddish and doesn't want to go to the hospital. And yeah, and she's saying to my mother, uh, no, no, no. Um, I, I'm not going to go till, you know, I'm not going to go on. Till on. Sunday? Yes. Sunday night? And that, that's exactly right. She wouldn't go. And I could oh. see my mother was wrestling with it, you know, and we talked about it. And I remember saying, but if it's that important to her that she's willing, I said, I think it's going to, I saw it would be more painful for her to ride in the ambulance uh -huh. than to deal with the pain that she was having. And so from, from that experience, getting back to your original question, it just made me start writing and, and questioning things and, you know, and looking at life from that perspective. Yes. Oh, and wow. and I always I always like to be the fly on the wall, you know, that from, from the time I was a little kid, I remember that I, I remember a history assignment when we had to to write about um, the, the founding of the country. And I pretended that, that I was a, a young woman that uh, had stowed away on the. The, the Pinta and the Nina in the set. I don't really? know which one it was. And I wrote a diary of, you know, what that would have been like every day. And it was so, you know, not only did I get a good grade, but it was so satisfying to me to reach out like that. So um, I just kept on writing. <laughs> I love that. Well, it's a great lesson for people to, I think, especially now to just focus on life. It could be the simplest thing. If you're out taking a walk and you notice something and you want to write about that, something that touches you or something that it reminds you of. Exactly. Yeah, I, I remember during the pandemic that taking a walk in, in the evening and, um, and noting that I missed fireflies because in mm -hmm. Virginia, we always had fireflies. We would go out at night and, you know, as kids and we would catch them and put them in jars and, um, 
because I was claustrophobic, I always worried about putting them in a jar. You know, it just seemed oh. gone. We had holes in the top. So I always let mine go. Um, and it, it just brought back that whole memory and what that meant. The fact that I, I told that to my mother and most of the other kids around me were laughing about it. But mom got it, you know, so she she went with me. Yes, it's fine to let them, you know, it's fine to let them go. And we're not going to, they're not going to die because we're going to have air in there. Um, so everything kind of dives back to something else in, in life. Some little thing that really was the structure of who I became. But at the time, I would never have guessed that. Sure. What advice would you give to uh, someone listening to this that, has been struggling during the pandemic? I mean, how do you stay resilient? Um, I, I think I've been really kind to myself. And that's, that's the advice I would, you know, if, if it was a really bad day, I didn't spend the entire day trying to feel better. I kind of went with it, but that was it. I would only allow myself a certain amount of time of that. And then I had to start thinking about, you know, what else can I do? I think physically it's really important to, to get out of the house and, and be able to walk, even if you can't yeah. go anywhere as we couldn't during the pandemic. Um, and to think about, this is something I do often, even if oh, it sounds a little strange, what if this was my last day? And I write about that a lot. Uh, what yeah. would I want to do? What would I want to accomplish? And can I accomplish any of those things today, even in this setting? And yeah. you know, there, there's always something. It makes you really dig deep to what, what would you want to accomplish? Because you, you have to really get down and dirty about what's important to you. I agree. I agree. You know, one thing I'll add to that, and I've been telling people on the show is, if you're searching for something to do, think about what you used to love to do as a kid. So for instance, I used to like to play tennis. I was not very good. So during the pandemic, um, I said to my daughter, you want to play tennis? And she <sighs> said, you know, I used to, I used to take lessons. I said, okay, we don't even have to be good. We can be the worst players in the court, but we're out there and we're trying. And what I did, Patricia, is I loved it so much that I signed up for uh, beginning tennis lessons and I go every Saturday and this past That's week. so great. <laughs> well, and, and here's the funny thing. Um, I took a makeup lesson on Monday night. So it's like 7 to 8.30. And I could think of all these things I would normally do. What? Dishes, cleaning up, piddling around the house. So I'm out on the court and all of a sudden I noticed something about me. I was smiling. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? That, that feeling of joy and taking yourself out of your world and just, it was so much fun. Yes. And I, I, you know, I think you just hit something key that we have to keep finding the fun, no matter how, how small that it may be, because otherwise yeah. it's, it's it life's unbearable. If there's not some fun, some happiness somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you went to so the funk, which is the name of my yeah. show, get the funk out. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with? Um, well, that's, that's a good question. To, I guess, going back to, to be kind to yourself, to remembering that, you know, you're worth it, what, whatever, whatever you need to do to make yourself feel better. And don't give in to, there's nothing I can do. You know, that you just, just, just keep looking. In my case, I'm looking for it so I can write about it. Um, but even if I didn't, it's, it's the searching for it that um, keeps you vital, I think. You bet. What is your website? 
Oh, um, yes, I just just put up my website, patriciabunin.com, okay. and it has, um, I'm posting my columns on it, but it has a lot of writings, essays, and things that I've done in other publications, um, and, you know, a place to interact with my readers. I, I, I have a section on there that said I love to uh, hear from my readers, and uh, and I do. I spend probably as much time answering my mail as I do actually writing the column. Uh, and that in itself is very creative. Uh, also, it's, it's nice to have all of my, my work in, not all of it, but a lot of my body of work in one place. And really, I think a lot about legacy, you know, what will be here when I'm not. So somebody can, people probably won't even be reading books or, or newspaper uh, hard copy down the line. So yeah. at least... Some of my stuff will be online and that's, I feel like that's what I have to, to leave uh, to the world. And we all have something. So it's, it's, it's important to find that um, yes. and work toward it because it's very rewarding. Yes. And we have to give a shout out to Maggie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. So this, um, anybody parenting should listen to this story. My mother for my 16th birthday gave me a typewriter. It was uh, because I had just won a short story contest at my high school and she knew how interested I was in writing. My father thought it was very silly. He wanted to give me a piece of jewelry. Anyway, they gave me the typewriter and I just loved it. All of a sudden, you know, not only my scrawly handwriting, but I could actually, you know, type things on it. And it was so exciting. So I named her Maggie. And she, she was everywhere with me. She went to college with me. She went on my trip to Europe. She went everywhere. And now she's right here in my office next to me. Um, and I talk to her. And honestly, sometimes she talks back to me. So my mother always used to say that she took credit for my writing career. But what she really did for me at the time that she could have said, oh, you don't want to be a writer, you'll never make any money. Yes. She, she nurtured some the, the spirit of creativity that I yes. had. And that yes. was a really wonderful gift. It sure is. Because even if you um, stop doing something, let's say writing, let's say you ended up doing something else, you can always come back to it. But it sounds like it was your first love, so to speak, and you just stuck with it. Yeah, well, it was my first love, but it wasn't something I could always do full time because, um, you know, <laughs> I had to work. And for a while, I was a single mom and to take care yeah. of my daughter. But I always found some way to insert my writing into what I was doing. When I first worked at the uh, nursing home in PR, I, I asked them if I could put a, um, you know, if I could write, <clears throat> teach the poetry, teach the poetry class. And from that, I created a whole PR program about the poetry of aging. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always found if I was doing an advertising program for somebody, it was still writing, even if it wasn't the kind of writing I was wanting to do. So sure. I would find a little way to, to insert um, something creative. So I said, I really always wanted to say to myself that I was following my dream of being a writer, even if I had to <laughs> crisscross the street sometimes to get there. <laughs> Well, Patricia, I have loved every minute of this. Again, I want to give uh, listeners your website. It's Patricia Bunin, B-U-N-I-N.com. And I put your information on the show blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Thank you so much. I, it's so delightful talking with you that I forget that we're on the radio. <laughs> just having a conversation with you. It's great. Well, I hope to meet you in person sometime. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's going to be on my list of things to do this year. <laughs>